we're returning to uh, the conversation that Bill English and I have now been having for, I don't know, something like 14 weeks, 15 weeks. The leadership lessons that we learned from the life of David. We're coming uh, to certainly toward the end of this series of conversations. We're thinking that next week we'll do kind of a roundup of what we feel like we've learned, leadership lessons from the life of David. Um, so, Bill, uh, first of all, welcome back, and thank you for this deep dive into uh, into First Samuel. Oh, you're welcome. It's been yeah, my it's pleasure. Fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's good to unpack, um, you know, a, a, a portion of God's word really intently over time. Yes. So we arrive today at First Samuel chapter twenty-two. I'm tempted to just ask you to start by like reading the first five verses. Well, how about if I do that? Okay, be great. Yeah, so 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 5. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down there to him. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. From there, David went to Mitzpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, Hey, would you let my family, my my father and my mother, come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. Okay. So the characters involved here are David um, his brothers and his father's household, this crowd of people in verse two who are in distress, in debt, and disconnected, discontented. That sounds like a fairly literally motley crew. Uh, this foreign, foreign uh, friend, the king of Moab, and then the prophet Gad. Um, there is a lot in here that we can talk about. Let's have the conversation about the group whom God gathers unto David, because it's really, uh, it, it's really a very diverse uh, group of people, and from the eyes that we would have in the world, maybe not the group of people that we would want to have as our crew, um, or ultimately our government, which is who these guys become. Um, but it it sure does sound like the people who made their way to Jesus. These were guys, <clears throat> you know, the, the three words are distress, debt, or discontented. Well, the, the debt piece I kind of get, but the, the distress and the discontented, why would, they, why would they be distressed or discontented? Probably because they are opposing Saul in some way too, and they're discontented with the lack of godly leadership in Israel. That's my, that's my take on this. And so it just seems to me that the crew that gathers around him is probably a highly talented, crazy smart group of people who are on the wrong side of a godless government. And they are hmm. gathering around David because they know that he is the next anointed king and they want to help him get there, right? They want to help him. We got to figure out how to get out of Saul and get into David kind of thing. And uh, to me, that's that's really what's happening in verse two there. These are really good people. So, uh, well, that's helpful. Like, right. That's a helpful way of of seeing this, because I think at first blush, we don't look at those descriptors and say to ourselves, oh, those are the people that I would you know, I would want. I would want to build a team with them. I would want to build a, a nation with them. Um, but you've helped us see that differently. A part of it is because of the circumstance of the day in which they live, and they happen at this point to be on the wrong side of a godless government. But the day is coming when they will be the the good guys of the new government. Yeah, and, and they will be supporting David, and they will help him 
uh, mm. really, with a, a fabulous reign of some 30-some years. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, and then I want to get to um, the prophet Gad. Uh, yeah. You know, this is not... Uh, Tell us about Gad. I, I, I will just admit to you, I don't think I know a lot about the prophet Gad. Yeah, I don't either. He just kind of shows up on the scene here. We're not we're not told where he comes from, where he's going. Is this not... it? Is this his only appearance? Well, oh, okay. isn't the book? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a I don't know. It's... in the middle of the show. Let, let that go. Let that go. Someone someone will text us. Yeah. yeah maybe <laughs> a listener can text a us a quick biography yeah. or something. But Gad... Gad shows up. I mean, he's in verse 5, and he says to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Go to the land of Judah. Well, wh- where's Jerusalem? It's in Judah. Where's Saul? In Judah. And uh, and so what Gad is basically saying to David is, hey, you got to get out of your comfort zone. you got to get out of your safety net here, and I need you to go toward the fire, toward the bullets, towards the danger. That's what God wants you to do. So a couple things here. Number one, Uh, David is now listening to God, and so God is able to send David a messenger whom David will listen to. You know, before David was trying to do things on his own, he lies to the he lies to the priest. He knows he shouldn't have uh, spoken in front of Doeg, and he, and a whole bunch of people die because of that. And now David's heart has changed. He's following God. God can send him a messenger. You kind of wonder, don't you, when you're in leadership, could God send this person a messenger? One of the mm-hmm. ways you look at leaders and evaluate them is just at an intuitive level is to say. Could God send them a messenger, and would they really listen? Mm. So, um, faithful to their call, <clears throat> I have now heard from a listener. Gad is uh, was a seer or a prophet, uh, mentioned actually throughout the Hebrew Bible, one of the personal prophets of King David. Um, first mentioned here in 1 Samuel 22, 5, but then uh, referred to in 2 Samuel 24, um, after David confesses his sin of taking a census of the people of Israel and Judah, God then sends Gad to David to offer him a choice of three forms of punishment. Well, that's interesting. And then Gad is also mentioned a final time in Second uh, Samuel twenty four eighteen, coming to David and telling him to build an altar to God after God stops the plague that David has chosen as a punishment. Um, apparently, there are also references to Gad in First Chronicles uh, 21 and 29, but what is referenced in First Chronicles 29, 29, um, which are the chronicles of Gad, are understood to be lost. There you go. That's what I know about Gad. See, it's, it's always good. Thank you to our listeners who supply us such great information during the show. All right, Bill, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about risk. David does what the prophet Gad uh, tells him to do. Like, right, he takes... He takes the counsel that he has received, and he does something that from the viewpoint of the world would would appear absolutely uh, risky. But because it's in God's will and because David trusts God, David does exactly what he's instructed to do. Um, So we're going to talk about risk-taking when we we know we're following the will of God. Uh, When we come back, we're talking with Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. We'll be right back. So you see God and who helps you see uh, the future into which God is calling you. Gad helped David see uh, what would have looked like risk. Instead, uh, he saw it as possibility. Talk talk with us, um, Bill, about 
risk and risk taking and the nature of leadership. Well, how how the two are related. Leaders are obviously risk takers or they wouldn't be leaders. Uh, some are more risk takers than others, honestly. Uh, some leaders are quite cautious, actually. I'm working with one now on a business deal, and uh, he's just one of the most cautious men I've ever met. Uh, and yet he's the CEO of a $200 million company here in the uh, state of Minnesota. So um, risk. Risk is something that every business owner faces. They face it when they first start out. They, uh, I am always fond of saying that I'm only three to five business decisions away from bankruptcy at any given time. Uh, risk is something that's just part of our life. Risk represents danger. It's a danger that can be uh, fatal. It can be lethal to either a business, to your person, to your reputation, to uh, to something that is of meaning and value to you or to a group of people. That's what a risk is. And risk mitigation is all about trying to uh, quarantine that danger or make sure that the danger uh, cannot come to fruition in some form or fashion. No significant ministry, Carmen, as you and I have talked offline about this, no significant ministry ever happens without significant risk. So people who want to uh, make sure that they are safe and comfortable and, and that you know nothing bad is going to happen to them and yet they want to launch out into ministry, probably not going to happen. The ministry is probably not going to go anywhere because you really need to risk quite a bit in order to have um, significant ministry success. I guess I'm thinking here um, about people who have become very risk averse in some ways in their lives, um, and yet they they risk a great deal in ways that they probably do not consider. Uh, I'm thinking here about the way in which I have an uh, I have a friend. She's quite old. Um, and she doesn't see the risks on social media. She doesn't see the risks in giving her personal information out to somebody over the phone. <laughs> like, right. So part of part of the challenge that I think that we that we face is there are risks that are real. That if we if we are not on guard, um, we can be fooled and we can really, gosh, really endanger ourselves and others. Um but then there are experiences like that throughout the life of David. I mean, David did not see the bear nor the lion nor Goliath in the same ways that others would see similar risks, similar challenges. He saw them as um wow, something that God had called him as a shepherd initially and then um as a, a man of war called onto the battlefield in defense of his God. Uh, defense of the name of God against this heathen who was saying horrible things about God. Um, David viewed himself as really God's agent in in life. And so is part of this our view of ourselves and who's bearing the risk? Is is that part of this conversation that we don't we don't see that God's the one bearing the risk? I look I I think it's two parts, and I think you've already touched on one of them. God is bearing the risk. The other part is that we can't let this danger continue because of of the huge negative effects that this danger will have. We Mm. just can't let that happen. That is not an option. That danger existing is not an option. So you look at David with the lion and the bear. He has to kill them to save his sheep. You look Mm. at David with Goliath. We can't let this guy stand out there and profane the name of God for heaven's sakes. We can't do this. 
Uh, we we th- we're better than this, you know. We're God's people. We got to stand up to this guy, and so it just seems to me that David looks at these dangers and goes, it, it, "It's not it, what doesn't cross his mind first is how am I going to be killed or harmed by this or what could possibly happen to me." What crosses his mind first is we got to stop this danger because of the good things that are going on. And and we have to stop that danger, and I'm going to be a part of it. And he's that's that's just how he's wired. You know, I wonder, Bill, bringing this home for everybody who's listening right now, we are probably much more focused on protecting ourselves against personal risk than oh, yeah. we are about risking ourselves on behalf of the name of God or what God might want oh, yeah. um, to have accomplished in our day. You know, it's interesting. I'm leading a tour to Israel a year from this coming April. And the first question I always get is, is it safe? <laughs> and you answer with a line from C.S. Lewis about Aslan, right? Oh, I don't know. What's the line? <laughs> oh, okay. What's so, yeah, he's not a safe lion, right? Right. He's he's not a safe lion, but he's good. Yeah. Like, right, I want to be with the lion. Yeah. I want to be with the one who is the lion, um, because if I'm with anybody else, I mean, I, you know, I'm not safe. Yeah. You know, you, the lion is not safe. The lion is good. Thanks be to God. Um, but the lion is not safe. Like there's a, um, there's a risk to being God's agent in the world today, but it's, but it's a risk that he, that he bears, that he shoulders. I want to be with him. But you know, the risk of not acting, the risk of not going towards the danger when God calls you is actually greater than the risk that is in front of you. No question. You know, no question. I'm, it, for God's people in the world, the risk is is captivity. It's the loss of a culture. It's a harvest of unrighteousness and having to live with it. Yeah. And that's a greater risk than any risk God might be calling us to today in ministry. Absolutely. All right. So uh, those of you who are listening right now, um, God is leading you by the power of his spirit to make uh, his name great today yes. in some particular way, in some particular arena, in a part of the world where the enemy thinks that he is king. And the enemy's wrong, and the agents of the enemy uh, are wrong. And you are an ambassador of the kingdom and an agent of grace. And you are sent forth, not uh, not at personal risk, don't view it that way. We're trying to help you see this in a different way today. Um, you are, uh, you go with God, you go for God to make the name of God great in this generation. Uh, so, Thank you so much, um, Bill, for this leadership lesson from the life of David. You guys can actually get all of what we talked about today at BibleAndBusiness.com. And, Bill, we'll see you again next week. You bet. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much. we got to take a, a break for Breakpoint. Breakpoint.